Hey everyone, this is Sandy. As you know, Hushi is an independent podcast produced by four Hmong women and funded by us, as well as generous supporters. Are you interested in sponsoring an episode or a transcript? Email us at hashtag.hoochie at gmail.com to learn more. Did you know that on the hashtag Hoochie's webpage, hoochie.wordpress.com, we post show notes for every episode, have transcripts for most of our episodes, and also a blog post? Be sure to check it out if you haven't already. Hashtag Hoochie would like to acknowledge that today's recording takes place on the ancestral territories of the Dakota and Ojibwe peoples of Minnesota, the Miami, Poria, and Potawatomi nations of Illinois, and the Pentecost Confederacy of New England. Hello, welcome to Hoochie. Today is Sunday, June 24th, 2008. We are four Hmong women who like to talk about things that matter, such as everything. We are your hosts. I'm Elder Sandy. Hi, I'm Elder Pa. This is Elder Me. Elder Linda. What's the Hmong word for Elder? Low. <laughs> oh, you can say Nia, right? You can say Nia. Nia oh, you have to be. You have to be attached to a husband. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know that there is a word. Yeah. Used for elder, because I think that what usually happens is you figure out how the person is related to you, and then there's like a general term that you refer to them as. Oh. Hmm. Well, like, I call everybody that I don't know either Nyatai or Pao or Ba. Oh, so you call them auntie, older sister, like, mom? Auntie or grandma. Or grandma. Oh. Hmm. What about men? <laughs> Aren't there stranger men in your life? <laughs> well, I either call them Yeti or Dinzo. I like to call them stranger danger. Stranger danger. Fucking <laughs> 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 Sandy. <laughs> Should we get started? Yes. So to continue our um, segment of Hmong words and phrases, our new Hmong word phrase for this episode is Day. Oh, did I pronounce that correctly? Day. What do you guys think it means? Multiple translation. People always refer it to being patient. Um, I say it's to endure. I feel like the literal translation is make heart long. long. Yeah, make long heart. No, it's liver. Liver? Shia. Yeah, it's liver. Uh-huh. Oh, Shia's she liver? Yes. Yeah. Then what Same is hard? Blood. <laughs> Yo, that needs Blood. to be a fucking long word. <laughs> Man, you're all, you're always learning new things on Hootsie. <laughs> <coughs> oh, that's, wow. That's why there's that... Um, Funny phrase of you hurt my heart and my lung too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, it makes a lot of sense now. So good, yeah. So, anyways, yes, um, mind blown. Only my mind is blown. <laughs> so, in what context have you heard the word or the phrase used before? I always heard this phrase used towards women who are in difficult situations 
with either a partner, with um, other family members or whoever to basically endure the situation until whoever is doing the abuse is tired of doing it. So yeah, I feel it's this phrase is always like said towards Hmong women in our community. Do you all believe that? Yes. Although I've like I've heard it in many contexts, mm. right? So like for instance, in the most recent like times that I've heard it, mm-hmm. like it was said to both my uncle and my aunt who is preparing for my grandmother's funeral. And because my grandmother lives with them and they're the only, uh, her only son that she lived with, um, she has other sons, but they're in different states. And so, like, people have said to them, oh, you know, like, right? Um, uh, like, you know, uh, you guys are the ones that are preparing for, um, your mother's, um, funeral, right? So, like, I've heard it in that context, like, that's, like, not necessarily, like, in relationship to, like, um, an abusive relationship things. I've also heard women in my family tell other women in my family to wish in day when they come, you know, over to, like, my dad's house to talk about problems that they're having in their family, you know, with their husbands. I've heard it said to men, too, but, like, I would say, like, most like least frequently than I have heard it to to other women. I've had it said to me. <laughs> so, so it means to endure or to be to to be patient. But it's almost like you're telling people when you say Oshindei to kind of like trust that the end result will be okay or favorable, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that those are great examples of like our lived experiences as you know Hmong Hmong people Hmong daughter Hmong women Hmong like wives or observing like the Hmong women are in our lives right um I also think of like in the larger context of Washington days like let's be patient and endure like this the practice of Hmong tradition and values and beliefs which is really centering like the hetero cisgender patriarchy and I've been thinking a lot of exploring outside of those contexts because it's really easy to talk about and name but really going to like the root of it like because we grew we grew up seeing the women in our lives right who are either partnered or not and most of the time that I've heard of the term being used is around in like being patient and enduring like domestic violence and although I like to think a lot about the enduring of the experience but I also think about what about our like tr- like the tradition and practice right that are led by all Hmong men right mm-hmm. at really long time period of our Hmong history and experience like how come that the elders right they do not like question you know that tradition or that practice rather they are questioning or enforcing it on many Hmong women, right, who face countless violence and abuse from their husbands. And it's like, to me, like, that term is about us keeping alive and being patient, like, this really, like, horrible part of our tradition or practice, right? Which, like, we don't look at that as often, meaning we, like, our elders, like, when I hear, I'd I, and as a young person, I question that. I would be like, you know, our culture, which back then, 
you know, it's really like our tradition and practice because saying that it's a culture means it like generalizes everybody too, as well as not everybody participates in like the hetero patriarchal like traditions and like values, right? But I think that we don't question our practice and systems and I, I wonder why. Like I want to think more about like why don't we why don't we focus on that system? Like what we know, like why can't we change what we know? Man, I think that um, I think that the like the Hmong men leaders, right? They're also afraid. Mm-hmm. Most of them are afraid to change what we know, and there are other factors that play a role. But but yeah, so I think that we should also really look at the larger picture of like our system. Like why why won't we change our system the way that we carry our traditions, right? Whether that's in households or like through the larger like eighteen clans that, you know, a lot of people still participate, but, like, my family doesn't participate, like, in the 18-clan structure. Yeah, okay, so so when you look at the phrase and you think about the people or the person who is saying this phrase, and you think about the person or the people on the receiving end of this phrase, this phrase is really, like, a, a phrase to placate who whoever may be upset, and it doesn't actually... There's no prompt or there's no guarantee of of any sort of action. And usually, people know that there probably isn't any action happening or or not favorable action that will happen for for whoever's on the receiving end of this phrase. Does that make sense? Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, I think of one specific example my cousin and his wife they were going through a huge disagreement with my cousin's mom and i remember my dad saying oh ocean they you know this is your mom blah 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 and what he really was saying like was that oh you can't change your mom you just gonna have to put up with it you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly <clears throat> exactly yeah yeah i mean i feel like ocean day is like a consolation prize yeah it's like it's yeah like, it's yeah. like the asian passive aggressive phrase of saying uh ocean day means i don't want to be dealing with all this so I'll just do this yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's that's what i mean right mm-hmm. like for all this time around domestic violence and abuse in you know a uh, hetero cisgender couple mm-hmm. relationship like among women among men right it's like nobody has the answers yeah and but the but then the, the answer is like ocean day Mm-hmm. And there isn't like any other answers or solutions, right? Mm-hmm. Outside right. of that or process outside of that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm exactly. like, why why for so long like the system or the practice or that tool, right, of like our Hmong men leaders have just resort to that and why can't there be multiple other ways besides, you know, for Hmong women to endure? And 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 if we really look at it, it's about preserving the Hmong man, mm-hmm. right? Oh and yeah, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that the ocean day is exactly what everyone has been saying, particularly to me, right? Like, we don't know, we can't, we don't want to correct the Hmong men. If we're, for us to correct the Hmong men and husband, that would mean that we are in turn like correcting Hmong men overall. And we don't want, we don't want to taint, right? The Hmong men, whatever they say is right. And we should just go with it. And so Hmong men leaders don't want to question or challenge each other based on who their wives are, right? Because it's like, I'm trying to check you and your wife and tell you how, right? So I'm checking your manhood. Like, it's like, almost like I don't, I would check you on everything else, but like how you run your household, right? In your mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's just like interesting that 
Hmong men can't be there for each other, right? When it's about like building family and supporting each other to have like a better, healthier relationship, right? And and yeah, exactly that. So it's a meaningless phrase that means a lot. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It is the go-to phrase for any situation that people don't want to deal with. What's like yeah. the participation certificate that we get for participating and not winning anything? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, you get the Ocean Day card. Yay! Thanks for coming to talk about your problems, but here's there's nothing I can do for you. But here's a card, Ocean Day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now go redeem it. <laughs> And then, and then you look in your bag, you're like, damn, I have, like, dozens of this bullshit card. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck am I going to do with this card? You know mm-hmm. what we should do from now on? Every time somebody tells us to ocean, they, we should make ourselves a certificate and hang it on our wall. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. Seriously. That's going to take up all my wall. I think I'm just going to collect little rices, like, uncooked rice. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> in the jar. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eminem has this, um where you can like write shit on their M&M's I think if they write an yeah. M&M that says Oshende and put in a whole little bag for you <laughs> copyright that shit Sandy yeah I know right <gasps> oh I just got an idea <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, do, do y'all still hear that you know the experience I speak like stem from like my younger days and up until up until like I stopped hanging out really like surrounding myself with a lot of cisgender hetero mm-hmm. people. And so I don't know what are y'all experiences being queer, right? It's like traumatizing and shit hanging out with like straight people who are really traditional and I mm-hmm. choose to not hang out and be in those spaces. Although not saying that quote unquote like modern monks like hetero people are not like <laughs> triggering but like what are your experiences does that still happen the ocean they oh yeah um, of course. all the time mm-hmm. it's it's like a i feel like it's one of the most like constantly used phrase like um in the monk dictionary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah so it's so pretty much like nothing has really changed when we talk about like domestic violence in relationship right no um, no mm-hmm I think I'm going to start using that phrase. Or shouldn't I? I mean, I use it. I used it on my mom the other day. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what happens? I mean, she was like, compl- you know, like, okay, my grandmother just passed away. and She's, like, dealing with grief differently than, like, all her other siblings. She hasn't been very nice to my uncle and my aunt and my, my other aunts and uncle. And I've had to really talk to her because then, like, they would come to me and they would tell me like the things that my mom said to them. And you know, my mom isn't really like nice with words. And so my mom then would complain to me about what's happening. And I would say, you know, do you think this is what grandma wants to happen for you and your siblings to fight? I don't think this is what grandma wants. And then she would like say something else. And then I would just end up going, mom, what's your name? And that would end the conversation. <laughs> and then she would say something like, Oshinde Lichana, go, go to Oshinde Talinora. And I'm like, Mom, go to Lana, go to Oshinde. But I think that, 
you know, like what are some of the effects, right, of Hmong women or people being told, like, what should they? I mean, when we say that, yeah, what are the effects of that? I mean, when we say that to them, we're like completely dismissing, mm-hmm. like, their experience. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, we're saying, like, what you're experiencing doesn't matter. You should just endure it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm essentially saying to my mom. Like, your feelings don't matter. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm saying that to my mom. Like, it doesn't matter that you're hurt. You should just endure it. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. No. If if that green jacket that Melani Trump was wearing, it would have said, Oshinde in the back. Instead of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I think, you know, like, through the effects of telling Hmong women that, like, hearing that, like, majority of the, their lives are our lives... I can't help but associate it to Hmong um, women being like bitter and bottled up, like angry, mm-hmm. and continuing to not be able to feel validated and affirmed in the experience, right? And so, you know, and that's like really like toxic and harmful. Huh? Um, and that's like if it affects, you know, their our mental well-being, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the things that I've heard, like my mom and the Hmong women in my lives who lived through a period of the time that couldn't, you know, liberate themselves or mm-hmm. like be free, right? To an aspect of expressing themselves. Like it's, I've seen the effects of that. And it's in, in the word is not just like a, a word or a term, right? But about like an experience, but the effects of one's mental well being, you know, mm-hmm. and how issues perspectives for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I think that's a part of like, the Hmong woman experience, right? That I would love to hear about more or focus more about because we, you know, we understand, we know the the part where a Hmong woman is about to go and get married, right? And then endure that marriage. But like, what about all of the Hmong women who have lived through that experiences and how has the ocean they, being told ocean they, right, has mm-hmm. affected them and mm-hmm. the self-determination and the the lives that they live after that, yeah. So we talked about the phrase Ocean Day and how it, it's mainly geared towards women. We wanted to talk about some of the readings that we have read that have centered around uh, women's experiences with Hmong culture, particularly with marriage, the marriage process. And so one of the books that we read or that we're going to talk about is The Bride Price by Mai Ning Mo. Um, what did you guys all think about the book? Whether you read it or not, or have heard people talk about it. So I read the book. Mhm. I I read the book like um actually, I bought the book when it first came out, and I was I don't know what I thought because I thought that it was like something completely different. But you know, so the book is sort of like a memoir of my name was early life. Mm-hmm. What you guys say? Right? I mean, I feel like, and so, like, after reading the book and hearing her talk about the book, because I've gone to a few, uh, one of her, um, like, uh, a book release that she had where she talked about the book and, like, her writing process and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I was, like, having this conversation with Sandy and me last week about how the book really, for me, was, like, 
for her an affirmation of all the choices that she's made you know mm-hmm. like I think me I, I don't want to put words in your mouth but you liken it to being like um like defensive right yes yes so the thing about the book is that I mean, what I like about the book is that she's writing it, and, and she knows that she doesn't have a lot of, like, background knowledge on Hmong culture, Hmong marriage, Hmong wedding, whatever. And so, you know, as, as someone who, who doesn't know much about it either, you know, you're, you're kind of learning along as as she's trying to put things together, right? Um, but yes, it, it does sound like, I mean, granted, I haven't read the book completely but it it does sound like she is really defensive in her book about about the the decisions that she made that basically estranged her from her family yeah i mean i guess like for me like the um affirmation is like is like part of that defense right Mm -hmm. like look at all the things that have happened to me and then like you know, I mean, she's, I would say that she's had a pretty successful life, and, you know, and so, like, I, like, that's what I get from it, but also, like, if anything, also, I feel like it's a really intimate look between, like, her and her relationship with her mother. I really liked how honest and open she was about her relationship between herself and her mother, like, with her mother, and so I like that a lot about the book, and I appreciate that, you know, because I think, like, you know, like, her and her mom were, like, these, like, their relationship was strained, and then they just, like, recently, like, been, like, coming back around, and so, like, I, I appreciate that, like, her honesty and her openness about, like, that relationship, and, like, and sometimes, like, in some instances when I'm reading, when I've read her book, I feel like, a lot of times, like, when she is writing, it's, like, a stream of, like, consciousness that she's, like, writing about, you know? I don't know. Does that make sense? Like... Yeah, no, it it makes total sense because it... Because she is... um, You get the feeling that she's processing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like processing is happening right now as she is writing this book. Yeah. So... And we get to bear witness, like, to that process. Right. Which is great, you know, which is great that we we feel and see and read her anger and her defensiveness, but also um, her processing things and coming to understand, you know, a, a lot of things that her her parents went through and making the connections with her own experience. Yeah, I, I think it's wonderful. I mean, what do you guys... I mean, what do you think, Sandy? Um, I I read a little bit of it, <clears throat> and then I read a lot of of her interviews about the book too. Yeah, like you like y'all said, especially a stream of she's basically processing it as she's writing this book, and then as she talks about it, um, in like articles and such, she mentions that um yeah she was against like the whole idea at first, but then she said hindsight is twenty twenty right, and she realized that. Bride Price was actually a process to honor her parents and that she should have done it. But she she said that she was living in two different worlds, like when she was processing this at at that time. But she didn't really fully understood it until, you know, a little later on in life that um, Bride Price wasn't about um, what she thought it was from a Western perspective. But it was a, a way to honor her parents for giving her life and raising her up. Yeah, I mean, what did you, what do you think, 
Linda? I, I haven't read it, but I have spoken to and heard from several people who read it or been to some of her events about her book. And I think that that is, um, it's needed to hear a journey and experience from what it would look like to really say no, right? And break away from that system as I was talking about earlier um, and what you could be losing, right? Which is pretty much like your family, your community. And that what would it mean for, to like reimagine like Hmong womanhood, right? Outside of that for like, for their Tumi community. Cause I think that even though her husband is with her, I, it's still really lonely to be a Hmong woman, right? Making those decisions because it deeply impacts the way that we um, are seen in the world. Uh, we, we are either like, oh, look at you so brave making such a decision around what, cause I think that like I, I speak from like similar to my experience being among queer women, having to break away and not be part of like getting married to a Hmong man, um, not challenging my challenging my parents around like doing chores and all these things, right? And how like what kind of career I want, and it's it's lonely to be a Hmong woman doing that. But I, but I still experience and feel that there are people who support you, right? But they're also from the sidelines. <laughs> Yeah. And so, so I think that from the people and the experiences that I've heard about mining in her book, um, I think that it's like much needed to hear that story of experiences. Because um, again, we hear like the struggles in the Ocean Day part of like a Hmong woman or a daughter mm-hmm. who stays, right? But we don't hear the other story inside of a Hmong woman who uh, moves away or has to leave. And what would what does that mean for the relationship and the support for her around her? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know that like, there's been so much conversations in our community about bright prices. I think that there are both sides, right? Like there's this like very like general idea that like it's the selling of like a human being is like always like the wrong thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like not, you know, like, you should never sell somebody, right? But then there's also this history to bride prices. And so on, so until you know the purpose of bride prices, you don't really understand, like, the bartering and, like, the selling and sort of, like, the negotiation that takes place. And, and so, like, one has to understand it to appreciate bride prices, I feel like. I don't know, maybe I'm coming from, you know, a more like, I don't know, like maybe a more traditional stance. I feel like we've been like really influenced, been like heavily like westernized and we have all these western influence and the idea of like selling or buying a bride is like barbaric and to like westerners, you know, and so like they're really fascinated by this idea or like maybe like they're really interested by the idea of like bride prices or like buying a bride, right? But then I also feel like that practice of like, like the whole idea of like the way the like marriage is constructed both in like maybe in uh, in the East and also in the West, there's a bunch of like, like, like promises. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's very like patriarchy. Does that make sense? 
It, it does because when the husband's side of the family comes in to negotiate, it's giving the money to like the family of the bride, right? But it's like who handles the money? Like majority of the time, it's like the husband, right? Of the, uh, I mean, the the father of the the daughter, right? So it's like a negotiation between like two men, you know, for yeah. thing. And then there are other contexts too that I see that I hear the nuances later in life as I'm older, right? Um, that a lot of the things that our mothers do, like this term, like they or I didn't want you to be queer or gays because I don't want the horrible, like toxic, like rape culture, heteropatriarchy world you know, among men, like devaluing you or the community who participates in that, right? To harm you. Um, Cause that's like, like one of the conversations that, I, that I've had with my mom and why she didn't want me to be gay is because she wants to protect me. And so in terms like I also I have heard or have seen that the bride price is also to negotiate to set a value, right? For the her husband to value her, right? Her family. But like it doesn't necessarily turn out that way, right? The act of negotiating like her worth, her value or the money is anybody can have a lot of money and, and have a wife and then like not treat the wife well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or anyone who really values like that negotiation and like the meaning behind the negotiation piece between two families, right? Around taking care of the daughter, the wife, right? But I think that uh, it's also based on how people understands that that actual act of it. Um, And I think that it doesn't mean that we have to do that or we should do that in terms of like getting married. And I think that I've seen people also move away from that or at least like not some, not not a lot of Hmong women and men who marry. What does it have moved away from from that? But I think in general, it's like the whole face value of two Hmong men negotiating price because it goes back to like the households that the Hmong men are making exchange. Yeah, like I wonder if like um, do we have Hmong women make gongs? Yes, we do. We do. And like, have you any of y'all heard of? of a marriage that's been like negotiated by among women Mekongs? No, because they're rare. <laughs> yeah. That's why I hesitated to answer. I was like, wait, <laughs> are there? Wait. But like No, I was I was gonna say like, yeah, Linda like all the points that you brought up are great, right? And I as an in- individual think about all the time. I keep thinking about, Sandy, what you were saying when you said that you have watched her interviews or her mm-hmm. uh, or videos of her talking about her, um, her book and her experience. And you said something about she, she, she now understands that it's, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's about um, Correct. Honoring, honoring her family or Correct. Her yes. She said, hindsight is twenty twenty, and she realized that what she was fighting against in the beginning was actually just an honorship to her parents. So her, her idea of what bride price was has changed throughout the years. So it just makes me wonder about, you know, even if you do understand that the bride price is about honoring your parents or whatever you may think about it, you know, why can't you honor your parents in a different way, right? Why can't you change 
the way that you want to do things and mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and so I'm trying to you know make the connection back to how things are the way they are we've always done we've always done things this way and so we have to continue doing things this way and how things never change and how we use the phrase day to people to not really do anything mm-hmm. <laughs> but to just dismiss any sort of of change that people may want right as as individuals or or as a group you know i i wonder if you really do if you really do believe that the bride price is to honor your parents but you still don't want to do it is there a different way that you could honor your parents yeah i really i'm thinking about this idea of like well how can what other ways can you honor your parents right mm-hmm. and like what other ways can you honor your parents so that they know that you're honoring them so that they feel that you are honoring them right and i think like there are many ways that we can honor our parents like privately but like you know i think like among folks in general is there's this whole thing about like saving face like mm-hmm. and you know that's that that's like it's a phrase right like you you want to save face and how do you save face and how so then like i think about like okay well how can you honor your parents in a way that will let other like other folks in the community know that you are honoring them right like how do you do that do you like <clears throat> literally come out and you like honor them like you know through a party you know like how, like what other ways right like and so i think about like my name like i think about her book and i and i, I and i hear your question me about like thinking about other ways to honor your parents right and how can you honor your parents like without having them make them feel like you're you're not honoring them or like how do you honor your parents without like like how do you honor your parents and then also move away from traditions right you know i think it's a hard question to answer because i think our parents are so used to or that like um there has been this tradition of like a very singular way of honoring them right finding a new way to honor your parents would take i don't know maybe a couple like 10 plus 10 more years like or like 20 years like i don't know i just mm-hmm. feel like 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 the bride price like like that whole like that concept is like like a memory like a memory muscle you know mm-hmm. like, you know you know you guys know yes. like familiar with like memory muscle you do things because your brain like yes. like your muscle remembers it and you do those things correct and so like i feel like um bride prices is very similar to that right where like where parents among parents would be so offended if among if their daughter and their son came up to them and said we don't want to pay you bride prices but we want to honor you in a different way i just think that like most mong parents would be very very offended by that i don't know what the other way of honoring is right you know i happen to be like i happen to appreciate bride prices you know for me and, and and i think that's where like 
my like traditional me uh, is like I I think that there's something really beautiful about um like Hmong traditional marriages, right? That like um and I appreciate the bride price the you know like um like two families coming together to talk about um you know like um the the ways in which the bride's family has raised the bride and you know like i don't know i like i i appreciate them there's something about that that i appreciate well i also, I also want us want to, to think about, about how rooted in patriarchy our our cultural practices are right so if you um like if you consider the bride price there's a lot of weight that comes with the bride price yeah between between a man and a woman and and uh and their Hmong wedding right now if if you switched out that Hmong man with a man of a different background the weight of the bride price isn't there anymore right yeah and if you switch out that man and it's a woman marrying a woman like consider consider the role of the bride price right like if if you if if it is really honoring your parents shouldn't they have the same weight <laughs> true also with a disabled Hmong woman as well which i've heard stories are around that there there is there isn't it doesn't hold weight it doesn't go across the board for Hmong women who are disabled isn't that also, yes, it's like heavily rooted in Hmong patriarchy, but then like, isn't it also like rooted in like discrimination and like racism too, right? Am I com- like, am I completely off topic? No, no, I, I think, I think, I think all of that is relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean, like, so yeah, you're right. Like when a, a, a disabled Hmong woman or men, Hmong woman, right, when she gets married depending on the severity of her disability she's either like offered like like there there either isn't there isn't any bride price or there's very little right and then also when like when a Hmong woman marries among like a non-Hmong man right um depending on you know like um well actually it's different when a Hmong woman marries a Hmong man like I've seen in all the relationships that, that that I've been witness to, where Hmong women and a you know a non-Hmong man, um, the Hmong, non-Hmong man comes and he pays his five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, you know, and and but it's different with like um, among um, mo- uh, like with a Hmong man and a non-Hmong woman, right? Mm-hmm. It, there it 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 is different, or you know, not just our Hmong like marriage practice but like our Hmong like funeral practice our Hmong like our Hmong history is rooted in like Hmong patriarchy I think it's rooted in like upholding like the Hmong men and the importance you know they hold um in the community or in the families we need to look back at how who's controlling or organizing like the marriages and does it make sense? Um, could the could among 
bride decide the amount as well, right? If you're participating with the traditional marriage and bride price, yeah, could, could that be? Could, could she, could she, could mom want me be part of the negotiation um, and the, the finalization, right, mm-hmm. of the marriage? Well, that's all for today. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at hashtag at gmail.com. Contact us on our Facebook page, Hoochie, and tweet at us at our Twitter handle at hashtag underscore Hoochie. Be sure to check out our website, hoochie.wordpress.com, to see this episode's show notes. You can listen to us and rate us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Thank you. Thank you. You hurt my heart and my lungs too.